Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. Amen. The Lord just impressed upon me also about the generations and the coming together. Jesus' heart, I just felt his heart and how our heart can beat with his sitting in the seat. I was like, God, I just feel your anointing on the generations in this house. And so this is a lot for the children, is what God put on my heart. I've shared it one other time. This last week, I was with my four-year-old grandson. And we were talking about Adam and Eve. And when Eve got her focus on that fruit, that fruit led to the fall of Adam and Eve. When she looked at the fruit, everything else just went away. Her focus became where her heart went. She could have looked around and seen all that God had made, the beauty and the greatest tragedy in that story was that in the cool of the evening, the Lord God, he himself would come and walk with Adam and Eve. He would talk with them. I think they would joke. They would interact. They talk about the beauty of creation. But God had another plan because that had to be set aside. He had a plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. And Jesus came, and then as we heard, the Holy Spirit came and breathed new life in us. And the Lord is saying to you, to the generations, as was said earlier, don't have a small view of God in our eyes, but don't have a small view of the children. And so with my grandson, as we finished that story, he said, Nana. I said, what? He said, I see Jesus. I said, where? We were in my kitchen. He said, right behind you. Well, what, is he, what does he look like? Well, he's, he's smiling, Nana. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like looking at him, and he's looking at me. And he had had a rough morning, but his, this smile came on his face, and he said, I feel a hand on my back. And I didn't mean to put words in his mouth, but I said, is that Jesus' hand? No, Nana, it's the angel. Okay. And then I'm, you know, you learn as a parent, you learn as a grandparent. These are holy moments. These are moments to press into the Lord and to not discount what the generations are seeing at this time, says the Lord. Because this is a time when we will see and feel and hear and touch, and we will see through the eyes of children. Because he is calling the children up to a level where we will not see them as small in our eyes. And then Luke got off the chair and he started to go into my living room. And I said, where are you going? He said, I'm following Jesus. I said, oh, I'm going to follow too. So, so are you. So are we. Amen. Very good. Very good. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be here. Especially on a Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. I... I loved camp, but I hate camping when everybody else is camping. So I'm always, I always come to church on Memorial Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend, Labor Day weekend. I, I never go out of town. I'm I like, you know, I went camping last weekend, and that was much better because hardly anybody out there. Uh, but the problem with doing, I've been doing this a long time, 
uh, not deliberately not camping on holiday weekends in the summer. And because of it, I, I get asked to if I would preach on Sunday mornings because <laughs> other pastors have other plans. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Zach got stuck here too, so yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway. Let's see, where am I going to go? I'm going to try to do this from my phone without any other notes. Uh, we'll see how, the, how well this works. But one of the things that Zach did, and I actually asked him, introduced me as Pastor Jim Struts. And the reason is because I wanted to call out the error in that. But I told him to do it. I told him to do it. And the truth is, I'm not really a pastor. I have, been, I have been employed by churches for most of the last 40 years. And I've been called Pastor Jim for most of those 40 years. Everybody calls me Pastor Jim. I, in fact, uh, on, I, I started at another church about four years ago. We meet on Thursday nights, and, so, uh, and I'm kind of the lead minister there, and so they all call me Pastor. But I come here on Sundays to escape that, but they call me Pastor here anyway. I know what I am, and um, the problem with calling me a pastor is when people, uh, people need a pastor and they call me, they're disappointed. <laughs> it's disappointing when you, when you expect something out of somebody, certain characteristics, and find out, this guy is just a failure. <laughs> I know what I'm called to do, and shepherding is not really... You know, I've... I have worked in churches for 40 years, and I have learned to do some pastoral duties. I, basically, I've learned to do the things that I'm not very good at, and I still suck. <laughs> but I can kind of muddle through. All right. The truth is we all have gifts, and it's really important to identify those gifts. We have, a, we have abilities. We have specialities. We specialize. We specialize in all kinds of things. You know, we're all sinners, too. And we specialize there as well. Some people are good liars. I'm not a very good liar. I'm good at other things. But some people are good gossips. There's a lot of Christians. You know, this is one of the Christian sins. That church sins. You can get away with gossip. Nobody, you know, people call you out for lying, but they don't really call you out much for gossip because especially if you're good at it because the story gets better every time you tell it. And they actually enjoy the story. <sighs> we have specialities. We have advantages. We take, adva we take advantage of our advantages. We have certain talents that we're really good at. Some of those are natural and some of those are actually supernatural that the Holy Spirit just puts in us. Or at least that's how we would divide them. I'm not sure God actually divides them between natural and supernatural. I think they're all supernatural. The truth is we're also saddled with deficiencies as well. Inabilities, certain clumsiness, things we do very poorly. And we've, through trial and error, we gradually learn what those things are and we try to avoid them at all costs. God made us special. I know that word special has been used uh, to refer to people with certain disabilities. Special. But the truth is, we're all special. We are very special. And we specialize. And through trial and error, we discover that we're good at certain things, and we learn how to accommodate our abilities and 
make do with our handicaps as well. But discovering our advantages, uh, discovering our advantages and deficiencies actually help us discover what God made us to do, what God made us to be. And so it's always good to identify those things. I'm teaching a class in the foundry this fall uh, that's called One Body, Many Parts. And it's designed to help people discover what they're good at and how to implement those things in their life. So in some ways, this, what I'm teaching today, actually is going to be a kind of an introduction to that. So sometimes, the other thing we do here is we sometimes judge other people to be, uh, have little or no value. We don't think that they are able to contribute much to the kingdom of God. They're not able to participate with the Holy Spirit in changing the world. But that is never, ever true. We just had Heather Rammer talk about little kids and God dealing with the little children. God delights in using little kids to, pro- to provide lessons for the rest of us because he can get through to them sometimes that he can't get through to us. God always has a better plan. So I'm going to go to, I've got two stories I want to talk about today. And they're both found in the book of Mark. I don't know if we might have these on the screen. I'm not sure. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version because that's the standard version that English people ought to talk in. And so I know that some of you read the NIV, the non-inspired version. But, but me and Jesus, we got this. Me and Paul. English Standard Version. Anyway, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read through all of chapter 5, but I want to read a little bit of it, and I'm just going to tell you the story. So they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. Uh, some versions will actually say Gadarenes. The truth is, Gerasenes and Gadarenes were two little towns in the province of the Decapolis, and that was a Latin term, Decapolis, meaning ten cities. Uh, so they were, he, Jesus what. What Jesus had done is he had sailed from Galilee, which was on the west bank of the Sea of Galilee. He had sailed across the sea, just a big lake, and they had sailed across the lake and got to the other side to Gentile territory. This is, they're not talking to a bunch of Jews here. They're running into a bunch of Gentiles, and so, the, you know, the language is different over there. One of the things they all do is speak Greek, however, so uh, that's probably what he's, thanks to Alexander, they all were speaking Greek at the time. Um, they had another mother tongue, but they all spoke Greek as a secondary language. So, verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And you could hear him at night screaming and howling and scaring the kids. I mean, it's just tormenting everybody. It's just, this guy was just a total distraction. Now, he had probably grown up in Gerasenes, the Gadarenes, the little, two little towns that he's at. And uh, Jesus has sailed all the way across this thing. They actually had probably rode all the way across. It's 20, 30 miles across. They'd done this all day. They had been working at this thing. The disciples had been working at this boat for all day, and they had finally gotten to the shore. And what, in, what do you know? They run into one guy, and he is absolutely crazy. This boy is just totally out of it. He has gotten, we would say he is mentally ill, 
severely mentally ill. Severely mentally ill. The guy has big, big problems. But he saw Jesus coming from afar, it said. He saw Jesus coming way out in the lake. Before he could ever identify who was in the boat, this, the spirit within this young man actually could identify that is the Son of God. And he identifies him. You are Jesus, the Son of God. Everybody else is confused about who Jesus is. This guy's not confused. Not even a little bit. He knows. This is Jesus, the Son of God. And he begs him, don't torment me. And Jesus is commanding these demons to come out. And Jesus asks him, well, what's your name? And the guy says, I'm legion, because there's a whole lot of us in here. And so then he, these demons beg him, don't send us out of the country. Send us, uh, send us into that herd of pigs over there. Now, remember, this is not Jewish territory. This is Gentile territory. They were okay with, with pigs. It was okay. This is not something Jesus wants to destroy, a bunch of Jewish pigs or something. So he, they just say, can we go to the pigs? And he says, well, I don't care what you go to. You sure, go to the pigs. And so the demons all flee into the pigs, and 2,000 head of pigs all run into the sea and drown themselves. That helped a lot. I mean, you know, they had a host. Finally, they got a host. Oh, yeah, they could. Well, that didn't go over very well at all, and suddenly they're out again. All right. So the herdsmen who had been looking, this is probably 2,000 head of pigs. That's a lot of pigs for a pig farm in this region. It's probably a cooperative farm, probably owned by a number of people in Gadarenes, Gerasenes. And they, when these 2,000 pigs all hit the beach, Everybody lost a fortune. They lost their prime industry for their town. And so when the people heard about it, and they all came out and saw this crazy man who's sitting there in his right mind and clothed. They hadn't seen him clothed for a long, long time. And he's sitting there, he's not screaming and hollering, and it's like, whoa, what happened to that boy? They all know who he is. And they all know the story. They, you know, and so now they see him like, He's okay, but and then they look at the water and they say, but there's our pigs. We lost our pigs. 2,000 pigs were, that's a fortune out there drowned. So what do they do? They beg Jesus to leave. They say, please, just go away. Just go. We don't want any more of this. We recognize you have a lot of power and we don't want it. Because it costs us a bunch of money and we don't know what else you're going to cost us and how you're going to change our lives. So just get out of here. And as he was, Jesus just turned around and said, got back in the boat. And the demonized, the formerly demonized guy says, can I go with you? Don't leave me here. Interesting that the demons didn't want to leave, but this guy wants to go. He didn't want to have anything to do with this place. All right. So let me skip down to... Uh, Verse, well, I'll read verse 18. As he was getting in the boat, the man who was possessed by it with demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit him. Jesus said no. Have you ever had God say no to you? I mean, you come up with a good plan. You, you've been thinking about this, and you're trying to figure out what should I do with my life, or what should I do next, or, you know, how do I go about this? And you come up with a good plan, and you submit it to God and say, here, God, this is my plan. Bless this. And God says, I don't think so. God always has a better plan than you do. He always has a better plan. God had a better plan for this man than the man had, that man himself had. We don't see it if just reading through the story without doing some other investigation. But we'll get it right down to it. 
So Jesus said to him, no, you can't come. But he said to him, go home to your friends. Remember your friends? You haven't seen them in a long time. They haven't had anything to do with you for a long time. Go tell your friends what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so what does the man do? Verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim, not just in Gadarenes and Gerasenes to his friends, but he went through the whole Decapolis, all ten cities. He went through the whole region and proclaimed how much Jesus had done to him, done for him, and everybody marveled. Everybody's like, whoa, what changed you, buddy? Now, exactly right. It was Jesus. Now, the disciples, remember the disciples? These guys had rowed for all day long. All day long, they had been rowing this boat across 20, 20 30 miles of, of water. They got to the other side, and they were just on the beach, and they were confronted by this one crazy, crazy Gentile. And it's just another Gentile, but he's, he's just wild-eyed. He's just crazy. And Jesus healed the one guy, and then he was invited to leave. And so they get back in the boat, and they're sailing back across the water, rowing against the wind and trying to, you know, get home before, before probably before morning. They're probably going to row all night at this thing. They're thinking, what a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time. We spent all day rowing across that water. We, we ministered to one person, and he was a Gentile. He wasn't even a good Jew. This guy was a crazy Gentile. And, and then Jesus left him there, and we're sailing back across the water. What a waste. This one didn't work. But Jesus knows better. See, Jesus has a plan. After this man testifies through, about his transformation through the whole region, Jesus returned there a couple of chapters later, several months later, comes back to the Decapolis and preaches the gospel again, starts bringing the gospel of the kingdom to a bunch of Gentiles. And this time, the reception is completely different. He's got thousands of people following him, so many that he had to feed 4,000 men later on, plus women and children. He had a huge crowd following him, and they're all Gentiles. And what was the difference? The testimony of one crazy man. One demonized guy. The least qualified evangelist changes the world for these people. Don't ever say, I don't have abilities that can do anything. I don't have that talent. I can't do th this guy didn't have it. All he had was a mouth and a memory of what God had done. And it was enough to change everybody. Now, from this, you can learn a couple things. One is that God has a perfect plan that, that truthfully always includes you. Even when you don't think it's working, it really is working. And even when you think, I have messed up my life so bad, God can't use me. And God is saying, Oh, yeah, watch this. The other thing you learn is, don't reject the least qualified among us. Don't ever reject them. God delights in using donkeys and other fools. <laughs> I don't know. God is, it's amazing how God does this. All right, so that's that story. And I want to tie that in with... The next story, um, in chapter 6, verse 30. So we're going to skip ahead here. I'm going to scroll down my Bible app. 
And where this is a story about Jesus feeding 5,000. Now, this is not the story where he feeds the 4,000 4,000 Gentiles, excuse me, yeah, 4,000 Gentiles, that's in chapter 8. But in chapter 6, he's feeding 5,000 Jews. He's back in Jewish territory, and he's been there for a while. And what precedes this is Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples and says, go out there in two by two, go out and proclaim the kingdom of God is come to you, and heal the sick and cast out demons, and just tell them the kingdom of God has come. And he tells them, don't take anything with you. Don't take any preparations. Don't take any food. Don't take any extra sandals, an extra coat. Don't take, you know, don't take nothing. Don't take a bedroll. Don't plan anything and watch how God, pre- God provides for you. Just watch how God provides. And they do that, and they come back. And so verse 30, just typical of Mark, he just sums up things very, very quickly uh, and doesn't give us any of the details. So if you want the details, you can go to Matthew or, Mark, or Matthew or Luke and find all kinds of details. So verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he had done, all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, good job, boys. Excellent. Now, I'm sure you need a break. So let's all go take a break. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Okay. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. That sounds like such a nice thing, doesn't it? I mean, every once in a while, you just get so overwhelmed by so many things going on. You know, nobody's more harried than a, than a mother that's stuck at home with little kids. I don't know how you do it. Okay, well, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> last week, I took off. I didn't come to church because I was out camping. I was just out I went away. I escaped from my house. I'm the only one there. <laughs> but I escaped from my house because I needed a break. And so I went camping. And uh, it was wonderful. I talked to a couple of people when I was there, you know, other campers or something. You know, I just found people. Uh, but mostly I was camped all by myself. I camped not in campgrounds. I camped in isolated places. And, and if somebody had disturbed me, I would have been ticked off. I would have been ticked off. Now, here's the difference between Jesus and me. Here's the difference between a guy who's called to be a teacher and somebody who is really a pastor. This is the difference. Listen to this. Now, many of them, those, the crowds, many of them saw them going and recognized them. What they did is they got in their boat and they started sailing north up the coast sailing up the coast, they're going to the north to a place where nobody lives, just a big isolated area. And so people saw them out there going by, and they said, oh, oh, there goes Jesus and his disciples. I recognize that boat. They went ashore. They recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and he got there. they got there ahead of them. <laughs> this is so, so disappointing. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. I would have been mad. I would have said, go away. What part of desolation don't you understand? Leave us alone. We'll see you next week. Maybe if you get out of my face. No. He's a real shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I could do that part. And when it, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, 
and the hour is now late. They are in a desolate place. It's the problem is there's 10,000 people that are in that desolate place with them. <laughs> this is just nuts. This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Just send them away so they can get, because we can't feed them. Verse 37. But he answered, Jesus answered them and says, you give them something to eat. You do the impossible. And so they answer, I'm sure this was probably facetious. I don't think they actually were serious about this at all. It says, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? To 200 denarii, that's like nine months wages for the average laborer. This is a, this is a fortune. And so, and so one of them turns to Judas and says, hey, Judas, you got the bag. How much money's in there? Judas is looking at this. Not, not, it's not, no, we got it. And, you know, leave my bag alone. <laughs> Judas has got planned for this bag. Okay. Besides, there's no market big enough within dozens of miles big enough to accommodate this much bread for 5,000, 10,000 people. It's just not enough. There's no way to do it. There's no way to pull it off. And he said to them, well, how many, blo- how many loaves do you have? Go find out. Just go check it. So they go back into the boat, digging through the boat, and they find their lunch. And they're looking at this, five little loaves and two fish. This was going to be a meager lunch for the 13 guys. That's what it was going to be. A very, very skinny lunch. And they were going to be hungry by the next day. (laughs) They didn't bring enough for themselves. They didn't bring enough. Five loaves and two fish, they said. Verse 39. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups, by the, groups on the green grass. We know it's spring because it's the only time there's green grass. Not that that matters to anybody. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the people. And he divided all the fish among them. And they all ate and were satisfied. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So a couple of things here. First off is that the multiplying didn't begin until they began giving. You don't, it never multiplies if you don't give it away. Now farmers have figured this out. There's no harvest if you eat your seed. There's no harvest if you eat the seed. And we're not not talking about apple seeds here. We're talking about oats and barley, excuse me. We're talking about barley and wheat. And so you can, it's either you eat it or you plant it. And the farmer, every time planting season comes along, he takes good food and he throws it into the ground. And he knows the birds are going to eat half of it. And he's hoping the other half germinates and produces a crop. But he doesn't know. Giving is always risky because you don't know the end result. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But you get nothing if you just eat it. Just do it yourself. All right. So that's one of the things that are going on here. Okay. Now verse 42 again. They all ate and were satisfied. And when they took up, uh, then, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and the fish. Now, this is something they almost always did. They gathered up the scraps, the food scraps that were left over, and they would throw it into a big pot, and they would add a little water, and then make soup for the next day. 
This, they did this all the time. So this wasn't something un, you know, we, don't, we just throw the scraps in the garbage. But they didn't. Food was important. And so they gathered it all together and they had 12 baskets full of broken pieces and the, and the fish, plus the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men, plus all the women and children. Now this miracle is actually an expansion of what Elisha had done in 2 Kings chapter 4. There, he fed a hundred people with one lunch. One person's lunch, and he makes it to feed a hundred men, and he had food left over. And so what Jesus does is the same thing. He does it. And it's not the only time Jesus did it. Down in chapter 8, he does it again. It's not the only time it's happened. I re- Let me tell you a story that I was at. I saw this happen. Actually, I saw this a couple of times, but... We were, uh, our church was, we had potlucks once a month for a while. We were doing this potluck every Sunday, every once a month on Sunday. And uh, we decided that we were going to feed the homeless. And so this was years ago. And so what we did is we took our two church vans and we drove downtown, right down the heart of downtown Anchorage. And we just picked up anybody who wanted a free lunch. Say, come to our church and we'll feed you lunch. We'll bring you back after, after you've eaten. And so we filled up those two vans, 15 passenger vans, filled them up, brought them to church, went back, filled them up again, and brought them back. So we had like 50 people or more actually added to our church. Now, that was a big group added to this church. And uh, I, we had told people what we were going to do, and we asked them to bring extra. Well, nobody seemed to have brought anything extra. And I was like, oh, well, this, I don't know how this is going to work. My mother bless her heart. She, she cooked up this big pot of spaghetti. I mean, it was, she made good spaghetti, but this was a big pot of spaghetti, and I was thinking she should have put more noodles in this one, I'll tell you what, because there's not nearly enough food. Somebody had a pot of chicken there, you know, just chicken pieces, and there was some other casseroles a little bit, and some uh, desserts, and so we started with the homeless people. They were our guests. We we're going to feed them first, you know, and they came through the line, two lines, one on each side of the table, filling up their plates, and they didn't look at the crowd and look at the food and take an appropriate amount. No, they were going to lay in their supply before the hoarders got to it. And so here they are filling up their plates, heaping them up. They haven't had a feast like this in ages, and they're going to take advantage of their advantage. So they fill up their plates, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the pot, I'm looking, especially the pot of spaghetti, because they're all taking a big hunk of spaghetti. And the spaghetti starts going down, 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 and and then it just stopped going down. It was so odd. I'd seen it going down for about, you know, it got down to about, oh, probably half of what it was at first. And it just stopped there. And I was looking at the, this pot of chicken pieces. And, you know, and it was diminished a little bit. And then they, it stopped diminishing. And they kept taking chicken. I mean, they were taking two or three pieces and, and a whole bunch of spaghetti and lots of all the other stuff. And we didn't run out of anything. Nothing. We ran through all of the homeless people and then all the church people. And they were like, and I was at the end of that thinking, there won't be enough. And I'm, you know, I'll just go home hungry. It's fine. I can eat at home. It's no big deal. And I got there and I was like, no, we got lots of food here. I was through the line and seconds, people coming back around for the second place. They were coming around, filling up again, these homeless, especially. They were filling it up again. They hadn't had this much food in a long time. And when we were all done, there was so much food left over, we heaped it on plates and we handed it out to these homeless people, put tinfoil over the top. Here, eat this tomorrow. Everybody had another meal for tomorrow as well. And we still had food left over. 
I could hardly believe it. But I knew, what, I, I knew what exactly what was going on because I remembered these stories. And I was seeing it firsthand. This is what's going on. Wow. You know, in the first, when Jesus sent out his 12, he sent them out and just said, don't take any supplies with you. Don't take anything with you because you're going to learn that God, God will supply your need. What he's doing now, he's teaching them, God will supply not your, just your need, but everybody else's as well. Jesus is upping the ante, I suppose. Wow. Uh. Oh, and the other thing is, they each had 12 baskets. They had 12 baskets left over. And so they each had enough for one of the disciples. Each one of the disciples got to take home a whole basket full of food. They planted their lunch that there wasn't going to be big enough. And they all took home a basket of food. It was amazing. It really was a phenomenal miracle. Now, I want to go back, and really what I want to zero in is on verse 37 and 38. Here's the words of Jesus. And he answered them and says, you give them something to eat. I just love it when God commands other people to do the impossible. I don't so much appreciate it when he tells me to do that. But it's so good. Because you know when God commands you to do something and you don't have the resources to do it, it's like Jesus saying, watch this. Just watch what I'm going to do. Pay attention, boys, because next time you're going to do this. Okay, so you give them something to eat. The other one is he asks them, how many loaves do you have? God is asking us, what do you have? Now, when an omniscient God who knows everything asks you a question, it's not because he needs to know the answer. You need to know the answer. And he's asking you, how much do you have? What do you have? What is your treasure? What is your ability? What is that skill that you have that you think is worthless, that you think is totally inadequate? You think will never measure up. Because that's the gift. That's the thing that God is going to use to change the world with. Uh, try to get my notes to pop up here. Come on. Now, I have a list. I'm going to do this rather quickly. I think I'm out of time, aren't I? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. says, God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. I don't think that's actually a listing of importance. That's a listing of, a chronological listing of when they appeared. Apostles were first, prophets were second, teachers were the third thing. But he says, then after that were miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, admitted. I like helping. It's one of my other gifts. I like to serve. I like to do things for people. My wife liked to give. And she also liked to get. She was often disappointed. I have, a, I have an announcement to all of my grandkids out here. Uh, to all of my grandkids. Grammy is dead. All you got left is grandpa. I'm sorry for the disappointment, but you're not getting it. Whatever it was. Now, 
But I like this because this is teaching my grandkids a hard lesson in life. And as an educator, I think this is important. Yeah. <laughs> okay. After that was administrating various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? No. Not a, you know, none of us have all of these things. Another a list is actually Romans 12, verse 6. It's having gifts, then, that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. We had an exhortation today. We had a couple of them today. This was, they were very good. Wow. Yeah, I think that was wonderful. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts in, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And finally, uh, second, uh, uh, Ephesians uh, 4, verse 8 says that he, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And verse 11 says, he picks it up and says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You each have gifts and abilities that are used, that are designed to be used to equip other people to do their job. And they won't be able to do their job unless you do your part. They will, they will, will be deficient without your contribution. And you all have a contribution to make. You all have that contribution to make. We each have all that we need to do everything that God has called us to do. I want to finish with this one, one lesson, one scripture, and that is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together? When do you come together? Well, we come together on Sundays. I also come together you know, with other people on Thursdays. Uh, I get together on a, one of our care groups on Wednesdays. Uh, I got together with people in the foundry on Tuesdays, you know, so I got to come to, but then I meet people for coffee. I have, you know, take people out to lunch every once in a while. We get together. We get, however you get together, the truth is, when you come together, you get in a group like this, there's hundreds of people. There's not room, there's not time for everybody to do, do something, you know, publicly. There's just not enough time for it. And so, we each have, but we, we all come together, and so we each find, need to find a place where you can actually serve. So each one of you, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn. Well, we did that. We had people leading worship today. Uh, we had a lesson. I just taught one of that. We have a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. All right. Now, I'm going to close and just say, just with this. If anything I said today actually kind of grabs onto you and you're wondering what are those gifts what are those gifts in my life i don't even know what they are can i get the prayer team to come up whatever this of the prayer team are here so yeah there's a bunch of us so if you have if you have been you're wondering what is it that god has called me to do come up and pray with these people and it's possible that maybe somebody will have a word of knowledge for you and actually clarify some things for your life but mostly what they're going to do is pray that the holy spirit reveals to you what you're supposed to do and what you're called and equipped to do the other group i'm going to ask is people who you've got an idea of what it is that god has called you to do but you don't know how to put it to work you don't know how to implement it in the body of christ how do i use this and implementing in the body of Christ doesn't mean you do it in a Sunday morning church service. 
You might do it at work. You might do it at school. You might do it to the, your next door neighbor. But use the gifts that you have. So if you want to pray, how do I do that? I want you to come down as well and pray with these people uh, so that God, just ask that the Holy Spirit gives you some clarification on how to do that. And also remember my class in the fall. Okay. Zach, where are you at? Wait, that's it. You're just going to walk off? I'm going to walk off. Wasn't that excellent? Hold on a second. That was a good word. Thank you so much. And by the way, uh, teasing is one of my love languages, so I'm going to call you Pastor Jim for the rest of your natural born life. <laughs> All right, you heard what Pastor Jim said. I want to invite you. We're just going to have some musicians play. We're not even going to close with a song. Some of you just may need to hear from Jesus. Some of you just, some of us just may need to be still for a moment because there's some things that he said that maybe never really occurred to you because we're so accustomed to elevating ministry gifts to platforms that we don't, we forget that God didn't invent the platform. God invented the body and that he sprinkled all of those ministry gifts throughout the body, which means, and I love this line, I'm stealing that line, all that guy had was a mouth and a memory. That's a great line. You may only have a mouth and a memory. If he could use, this is another one, if he could use a donkey and a fool, I'm qualified. If you're anything along those lines, you're qualified. So as they play, I want to invite you, just talk to the Lord. Ask him. If you want a space and you don't want anybody to, to mess with you, you can stay where you are. If you want to, you can come up to the altar. There's some spaces here. But also, there are all kinds of needs in our congregation, specifically what Pastor Jim was just talking about. Lord, what do you see in me? Lord, what service can I be of to your kingdom? And if you need someone to pray for you about that, I want to invite you. You can, even when I'm talking, you can begin. You can beat the line. You can beat the rush. Come on down here and get somebody to pray with you. But the other thing is, um, we, have a, we have a mighty God. We have a God who moves and a God who acts on behalf of his people. And the word says, where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there in their midst. And the word says, if we agree touching anything, it will be done for us by our Father in heaven. So if you've got something that's heavy on your heart, yourself or a family member that needs prayer, I don't even care what it's about. If you want someone to just agree with you, that's what we're here for. We're here to agree with you about anything you need prayer for. And if you don't need any of those things, I just want to wish you a happy holiday weekend, a great Memorial Day tomorrow. And I just want to remind you, whatever the Lord spoke to you today, make sure that you bring it out with you and that we put legs to the things that we hear. So what is the Holy Spirit to you saying to you? Can we just close our eyes for a moment? And I'm going to ask that question, and you ask it yourself if you're willing. And see if the Holy Spirit says anything. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do with it? I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I'm dependent upon your transforming power. 
And I ask, Lord, that you would exert that power in my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my family, in my circumstances. We ask, Lord, that you would transform us and transform the world through us. We love you and we adore you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen, people of God. Amen. Now I'm going to release you, but before you go, if you want to receive a blessing, just turn your hands up like this. People of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you so that you can see that his eye is upon you. He's focused on you. You're the apple of his eye and he never turns his eye away from you. His passions are for you and his heart burns with love for you. May you see his eye upon you and may that knowledge give you the peace that passes all understanding but can only be had through relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in his mighty name we pray. Amen, people of God. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. If you need prayer, come this way. And if not, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.